Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. basis the templins are sending sending out additional messages to the local like hey here's what we're doing to serve our city this week if you want to join us come do it i mean they do the local stuff they do the, they come here to a corporate gathering they're doing spiritual formation but the thing i'm really excited about guys for your kids is that you guys are exemplifying for them the words that you say you believe in and you guys are you guys are already growing in a, a, a really strong family through your example and i know you guys don't want that shared you guys do this in private try to invite people in you guys are actually quite a private couple but we just want to thank you em and i that it's not just the stuff you do when you show up on sundays or in your local i just want to thank you for embodying what it means to be a follower of jesus not just for your family but also for our church family and we're standing behind you um, and we want to help you in any way that we can so we're going to all here if we can just reach a hand out to the templin specifically rose and uh, we're just going to pray for them as they seek to raise their family in the words and the ways of Jesus. And uh, man, this is so sweet. Yeah, daddy gets his hands full. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, that's I'll great. put my hand on your back, Jonathan, just because kids sometimes don't like that. I know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Rose's back. Go for it. Jesus, we thank you that we can come together around this family and specifically around Rose. God, we thank you for the life that she already brings to her family and, and to the people around her. Lord, we thank you that you created her with her specific personality and her specific genetics and into this world, into this family at this time. And God, we just pray for Rose as she grows and develops, as she wrestles in different areas of friendship over the years and different questions that she might have and as she thinks critically and, and grows into a woman, God, I pray that you would be so close to her every step of the way, that as she looks and as she turns and as she wonders about different things, that the answer would be continuously be coming back to you. And Lord, I just pray that you would equip her for all that you have in store for her. I pray that the choices that she would make would line up in your direction, God. And we pray over what 
you want to do through her. But God, we pray every step of the way as she is curious and wondering and discovering and developing and learning and doing all of these things as she grows up, I pray that her parents would be equipped and strengthened to come alongside her. God, we pray for Jonathan. We pray for Alicia. We just pray that they would have the wisdom that is beyond their experience and beyond their years. We pray that they would have timely words, Lord. We pray that they would have energy, God, for the consistency that it takes in raising children and raising daughters. We pray, Lord, that you would just equip them for what they are to do and what these kids need from them. God, not in their own strength, but in your strength, Holy Spirit. And we pray that as a church family, we would be able to come alongside this entire family, God, that as these girls are being grown and raised, as Rose grows up, Lord, that she would have others to look to as an example in the church, God, and, and ones that would speak directly into her life and see her individually and come alongside and love her. I pray that they would be supported in practical ways and supported in spiritual ways, Lord. So we just dedicate Rose to you today. We thank you for her. We believe great things for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up to the Templates just one more time? Awesome. Hey, these are always special Sundays, and I just want to encourage you, if you have a little one that you would like to have dedicated here at Slate, uh, please talk to Sarah Ruth, talk to anybody on our Slate Kids team, and we'd love to get that set up with you. Well, each week here at Slate Church, we share a little bit around our giving and our generosity, and we want to make sure that as we ask people to give and support financially what's happening here at Slate Church, that we understand the heart and the why of our generosity and of our giving. And today I want to read from Deuteronomy 8. It says this, it says, You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The context here is the Israelites are going into the promised land and, and it's saying, it's like, hey, you're going to like make a lot of money. You're going to have a lot of cows. You're going to have a lot of crops. Stuff is going to be awesome for you in this space. But remember all the things that God did for you. Remember that he brought you out of Egypt. Remember that he led you through the wilderness. Remember that he provided manna, literally just food straight up from the sky uh, in order to provide for you so that you never kind of begin to believe this lie to yourself that, hey, I produce this wealth by the strength of my hands. Here's the thing. A lot of us have this temptation. It's like, hey, I, like I work really, really hard for what I earn. I work really, really hard for what I make. Like, I guess I could maybe give a little bit back, but the reality is that, that everything we have is from God. Even the breath in our lungs is from God. Our very lives are from God. And there's something so beautiful about this practice of giving back the first 10%, the first of whatever we make as a way of surrendering, saying, God, I wouldn't even have this life without you. So yes, I've worked hard. Yes, I've put the effort in. Yes, I've done my part, but God, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do that without you. There's a bunch of ways you can give on the screen behind me right now. If you, uh, uh, if you want to be giving uh, here at Slate Church, I just want to take a moment. And Sarah Ruth, could you pray for our generosity today? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you so much, God, just for who you are and your goodness and your grace. Lord, I thank you for all the generosity and those who give here. Lord, I just pray, God, that we would be good stewards of everything you've given us. I thank you, God, that you've provided so much for each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray, God, that we would just remember in our hearts where all of our wealth, where all of our things, necessities, where all that comes from, it's from you, God, and all of it is yours. And I pray, God, that we would just continue to have that posture as we uh, as we give, Lord. And we love you, we praise you, and we give this entire time, all of our finances, all of our things up to you, Lord. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it is getting a little bit warmer. It has been a super hot week. Uh, and we're excited because we have what we're calling a big, fun summer planned here at Slate Church. Uh, honestly, every single summer at Slate is, uh, uh, every single summer at Slate, uh, we have these really cool opportunities where we get to really like grow closer as like a family, like a church family. Uh, suddenly like these deep relationships get to be formed. We get to do a bunch of fun stuff together, have a really joyous time, even invite some of our friends and our families and our neighbors into this. Uh, and I'm really excited for all the stuff that we have coming up this summer. We have a series called Summer Lovin' that's going to be kicking off soon. We have another series called Slate's Big Fun Summer that we're going to be doing. Uh, but really to help kick off our summer, we have something happening later this 
right. To kick it off, we have a big, fun block party happening, which is going to just be incredible. Um, this is a really great opportunity to also lean in and invite the people in your lives and to reach and bless the community that we find ourselves in and that we can be a part of and actually invite them into that church family experience and have them kind of encounter it through that. And it's going to be epic. And when we say epic, we got water games, beach volleyball, barbecue, uh, bouncy castles, basically all of your favorite fun summer things all in one place at Slay Center on June 24th. Uh, so you're going to want to be there. This is your invite to actually invite others. So you're going to want to be there. It's going to be epic. Epic. Hey, there are two epic things that we want for everybody here at Slate Church. One is we want to see you connected in community. And two is we want to see you serving the local church. And today I just want to take a moment and highlight uh, our teams here at Slate Church a little bit. There's an incredible couple in our church named uh, Sam and Emily Vanderwood. They both serve uh, most on, yeah, they're awesome. They both serve most Sundays. Sam's behind the soundboard right now, actually, uh, mixing all this stuff for us. Uh, and Sam shared this like cool Instagram story a few weeks ago. Uh, he shared first, he shared how he preps his kids' lunches uh, and snacks for a Sunday morning the night before they're going to serve, if both parents are serving. So they're all ready to go. They're prepared. They can serve. But then he actually shared this question that his daughter Penny asked. He's like, Dad, why do you have to serve every Sunday? And he shared this really great point on that about that of like, hey, like I gotta like be careful with the language I'm using because I don't have to serve, I get to serve. I'm excited about this, I enjoy this. But I think the reality is for some of us in the room who aren't on a team right now, you hear us say, we can wake out. Hey, we want you in community, we want you serving the local church. And it's like, okay, why? Like, is this just because we need more people to do stuff? Is this more like you want everybody serving, whether there's work, like, what does this mean? Um, and I just wanna share like the heart that, hey, we wanna have a church that's full of people who are contributing to what God is doing here at Slate. We really believe that serving and being on team isn't just about, hey, this is something we have to do week in and week out, but it's actually something that we get to be a part of, where God gets to use our talents, our gifts, and we get to actually feel connected to a bigger purpose, a bigger reason for being, uh, uh, actually like some of why God created us in serving the local church and actually contributing to this body of people, that it's not just a place where we come to consume, but a, a connected family of people all pitching in and all helping out. And I just wanna encourage you, yeah, we most of what you see here is volunteers, and we definitely need people to help. But even more than that, uh, we really believe that serving is something that actually just ignites our discipleship, it ignites our faith, it ignites our growth and our relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't tried it, I just wanna encourage you to give it a try and you will be, uh, I think, blown away with the blessing that God gives you through serving. That's really good. I am always inspired by the Vanderwoods, by the way. Yeah, they come awesome. in their van and they're awesome. <laughs> well, hey, we are in our meta narrative series. So why don't we give it up for Pastor Brandon as he comes and gives us the message this morning. All right. That wasn't smooth at all. I removed all of my cases from my Apple products. And that's not a plug for Apple. Um, I don't know why I said it that way, but <clears throat> they're very slidey. Have you ever experienced these things without cases? All to make it a bit smaller. I would, I would make it a little bit bigger if, if it meant not having to buy a case, you know what I mean? But anyway, um, good to see all of you. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we actually have an Apple employee in the front row here. Um, Mara always ragging on him for uh, the cameras. I think that's his division he's responsible for. And I'm always like, hey, low light, 0.5 would be a little bit nicer if you made it a little bit better. Um, it'd be really great. And uh, I don't think it's like quite, you can just like translate it overnight, but I think he can. Anyway, um, maybe it is an Apple placement, who knows? Good to see you guys. My name is Brandon, and um, I'm uh, the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Emma. You saw us up on stage just a moment ago, so I think you know who we are. But if we haven't had a chance to meet you, would love to meet you. Uh, at some point before our time is done here today. Um, it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Okay. It is a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be asleep in this service, you should just come to the 1015. We have a 1015 service as well. But if you are a morning person and you are in the house of the Lord today and you have joy in your spirit, the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on. 
Hey, one of the things I don't like that's happening to our church as we get older is um, we're getting more boring. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I just didn't uh, start a church to have a boring church. <laughs> Remember, I started a church so that my, my hockey friends would want to come. And sometimes I'm like, dang, we are, I'm starting to wear colored shirts. I haven't worn a hat on a Sunday in a while. I wore a hat in an evening service, and a young adult came up to me and questioned me on why I was wearing a hat in church. I'm like, what is happening to our church? I'm like, this is a place where prostitutes should come, criminals should come, people that feel like they are far from God should come. And all of a sudden, it's becoming this place where it's stuffy, and people don't feel like they can clap, and people don't feel like they can smile. And so I just want to say, from this moment forward, I am going to be um, a stickler on that, Okay. So if, if we're boring, I'm just going to be like, we're just going to do fun stuff. Last week, why don't we do it this week? Last week in the evening service, we, uh, we sung YMCA in our service. You can cue that up, okay? We're all going to get up and we're going to do YMCA. Anybody been to a wedding? I have 57 first cousins, and that's before they got married. And I've been to a lot of weddings. And one of the worst things about weddings is that you come into these weddings and at some point, for some reason, the Richardson family loves YMCA. And Coburg, which is mostly made up of Richardson people, uh, stopped doing that. But we're going to give you a little bit of a taste of it this morning. And we're going to sing the YMCA together. And you're going to know why in just a moment. Um, but it's going to get us moving a little bit. Is that okay? All right, so why don't we stand up in this place? We got it ready? It doesn't take too long. All right, here we go. Um, well... I don't think it needs any explanation. I just think it gets people moving that are like stuck in their old ways. I'm just like, let's do something in the church that's different. I don't know if this glorifies God. Probably not. And so we're going to just do it a little bit. But let's play this song. Shaul's <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm supposed to. All right, are you guys ready? We're at a wedding. I was at a wedding last night. Look at this sounds going on. Here we go. Starting to feel like a Tony Robbins seminar. Here we go, here we go. for this part. We're all just waiting for the YMCA part, aren't we? Here we go, here we go, here we go. very much time to speak today. Everybody sit down. Woo! Does everybody feel a little bit more awake, happy, joy-filled? You got the joy of the Lord in you. How's the church doing today? Come on. I actually got to catch my breath. Yeah, some water. Okay. This is what I said to the evening, although we were talking about worship last uh, week's evening service. But I said to them, I said, the funny thing is, is that's the first time some of you have ever raised your hands in church, and you did it to the YMCA. I, I just want to say, like, why is it okay that we all make a fool of ourselves at weddings, but for some reason we don't allow our bodies to respond to what God's doing in the moment when we're in the presence of God? The thing is, is that we go, well, it's appropriate at, at a wedding to do the YMCA. We're not asking you to do the YMCA again, okay? We did just a moment ago. Um, but what I think we got to do when we come into the, the, the presence of God, into this place, is recognize we're not just coming to put our time in. I never, never, never want to provide an environment that just allows you to feel like you did something when, when you weren't actually engaging with God's presence. I mean, I would rather you show up, and I would rather myself, there's been dry seasons in my own life, where I, I would have rather showed up than not and got out of that habit. But I don't want to be in the habit 
of, I remember this one worship song, God, like, help us to not talk about you when you're in the room, help us to talk to you. Like, I, I don't want to just, like, come into a room where we expect God's presence is there and then treat it like it's a university lecture or Christian karaoke or some other thing that it's not. I, I want to be engaged in what God's doing. I want the transformative work of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to transform me when I'm in this place. This world we're living in is crazy. Anybody else agree? It is going like it is going off the rails. The West is is in danger right now, and and the problem is is that we're just kind of like in that environment. We just kind of think like, oh, maybe like maybe it'll be better in thirty years if we don't do something. The church has got to start doing something, but the only way we can do something is if we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen Christians try to right the wrongs of culture in their own strength, and it comes out looking not like Jesus. It comes out looking like angry individuals. We need the transformative work of the power of the Spirit inside of us if we are going to make an indelible mark on the society around us. I believe we can do it. I believe we can. And so today, we are going to talk about the most famous verse in the Bible. Does anybody know what the most famous verse of the Bible is? I just think back to WWF before this WWE stuff, and I never watched it. Um, I've never watched a single, but I knew about uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Anybody know Stone Cold Steve Austin? Never watched this. Anybody watch? Uh, maybe you don't want to admit that in front of a group of people, um, but like, I never watched it in my life, but everybody I grew up with knew about Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this guy's just bald, and he just walks into any room, and he looks you in the eyes. But the best part about Stone Cold Steve Austin is he had a John 3.16 shirt on. And I love that because it was an in for me to talk to my friends about Jesus. And no matter where you go in the world today, no matter what sporting event you go to, no matter if you see the king's coronation, God save the king, um, no matter where you go, you're going to see somebody holding a John 3.16 sign. And honestly, for a lot of us, it's lost on us the power of what that means for us in our lives and what it actually means for the world that's seeing that sign. It means something significant in the world that we live in today. And so we're in a series right now. We're talking through the meta narrative of Scripture, which starts with creation. God created all things. Man and woman, we brought in the fall. Humanity caused sin to come into the world, and yet at that moment, Jesus put in his plan of redemption to save us from our sins, and we are still waiting for complete restoration. But today, we are talking about redemption, and I think that's good because we had like a week break. We had some guests last week. Did anybody enjoy Ben and Emma being here? Yeah, they're just wonderful, hey? Um, really enjoyed having them, but the week before that, Nate was talking about the fall, and um, I mean, we weren't here. That was when Emma and I were celebrating our anniversary in Iceland. And I just heard that everybody left super depressed. Is that true? It was like he just talked about like how bad things are, and he was like, okay, come back in a couple weeks. And I'm just like, that's the right way to do it. Because without Jesus, we are stuck in our sin. Without Jesus, depression is our gift. Without Jesus, worry is the cycle that we deserve. Without Jesus, without Jesus, there is no hope. And in John 3, 16, 21, we get the most remarkable verse in the Bible. Now, obviously, the entire Bible is, is meant to be read. It's meant to be devoured. It's meant to be eaten. You're meant to be hungry for all the things that are in the Word of God. But John 3, 16 is like this culmination of all of the theology that we read throughout Scripture. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, how amazing is that? That for everybody in the room right now, that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe on the name of Jesus and what he has done, we can have eternal life. I want to continue to read just until the end of, at the end of this thought that John was sharing about what Jesus came to do. He said, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And that's the thing today is some of us are sitting here feeling the condemnation of our sin. Rather than feeling the condemnation of your sin, why don't you feel the freedom that comes through Jesus as a result of the sin that he paid for? For God did not send his son, in the, uh, son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not, uh, does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. 
Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done what has been done in the sight of God. And what I love about this is that deeds are exposed whether you're a Christ follower or not. But in the light of Jesus stepping into it, it's not that you're exposed and all of a sudden you have to pay for all of that. You're exposed and those deeds are burned away because of the radiant glory of Jesus Christ. And so you still have to step in the light at some point. But in the person of Jesus Christ, we have been given away to receive eternal life. I think that's worth celebrating today. Amen? Amen. Come on. Why don't we pray? And then we'll jump into it. Jesus... I thank you so much for what you're up to in our church, and God, we just pray even today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would walk out of this place transformed, not by an emotion, not by a thought, not by something that happened in our bodies, but really, God, by something that actually happened in our souls. Father, for those of us that know this truth, wake us up in this place. For those of us that do not know this truth, wake us up to the truth of your Son's glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Last night we were at a wedding in um, Exeter. Exeter. Um, and, uh, and it was a great wedding. Really thoughtful. Um, some really good points at the wedding. I was thinking, man, like some people could take some notes here. I remember for Emma and I in our wedding, uh, we forgot to write a thank you speech to everybody. And so we just got up there and like we're fumbling through like, oh, thanks, mom and dad. And uh, uh uh, thank you guys for being here. These guys were so intentional. They had like thank yous to everybody later on the plates. They had a thank you to like the table for how they all knew each other. And I was just like, it was beautiful. Um, the best part of the wedding was meeting this guy named Wayne. Wayne um, told us a lot of different stories. And uh, one of the things that he, he told us is that he plays hockey. And I was like, well, I'm here for that. And uh, I was like, well, what? Like it was such a big deal to him. And uh, he's like, yeah, I play hockey. I play 84 uh, games a year. And I'm like, what? Like, that's insane. One thing you need to know about Wayne is that Wayne's not 25 years old. Uh, Wayne was 72 years old. And I'm like, Wayne, what are you doing playing 84 games of hockey a year? He's like, yeah, we're just always trying to uh, play more than the Leafs play. And I'm like, well, that's not too hard. Um, and, uh, but I'm like, I'm amazed at this thing. And as we got to talk about Wayne, one of the reasons that Wayne plays so many hockey games throughout the year is that he uses it as a place to introduce the love of Jesus. And so they have this whole league, and they'll bring in NHL players that, that, have, uh, that are followers of Jesus. They'll bring them in to, like, talk to this league. There's 390 guys, and he's like, yeah, we just we started the league, and we started doing this because we realized that we were having better effectiveness reaching people for the, the name of Jesus in the hockey arena than we were inside the four walls of the church, so we just kept doing it. And, you know, I, I was thankful for Wayne because it didn't stop there. It wasn't like Wayne gave up on church. It's just Wayne realized that I need to be the church outside of the church. I need, I need to be the church outside of the four walls of the church. Wayne started a small group at one point out of his church in his basement. And, uh, and this small group grew to about 40 people. And uh, they were all people that didn't know Jesus. It was just like he just kept inviting people in that didn't know Jesus into the wondrous news that Jesus had died to save people for their sins. And uh, at one point, uh, he, he suggested to the pastor, he's like, hey, like, you know, maybe we could, like, have some drums here so that these people that don't know Jesus, like, they can walk into an environment that's just a little bit more what they're familiar with when it comes to music. And the pastor looked at Wayne, he's like, Wayne, I think it's probably time for you and your family to go somewhere else. And Wayne's going like, what? Like, like this, this, these are the worship wars of, like, the 90s, right? And um, worship wars is just such a, like, it's so blown out of, out of context, and I do have a thought, but I'm not going to share it for time. Um, but uh, so he goes, and he's like, well, what are we supposed to do? So the, the pastor's like, take the 40, start a church. And he's like, okay. So he takes his 40 people that don't know Jesus. They start a church, and they buy a building. And uh, then that building gets too small, so they buy another building. And that building's too small, so they buy another building. This is all within his 60s, I believe, or maybe his 50s. He's starting to do these things. Well, the church is... Um, in this large building or larger building, and they're not seeing the growth that he wants to see. And so Wayne just goes like to, to his group. He's like, we got to give this building to a younger church. And so they just go and they find a younger church and they bring them in and the younger church starts meeting in this building. And, and, uh, and I'm like, Wayne, you guys just gave away the building? He's like, yeah, like, I mean, we just thought they could do it better than we could. 
I'm like sitting there. I'm like, how old are you in? He's like 72. I'm like, how many times do you play hockey again? He's like 84. I'm like, what do you do with your life? He's like, oh, yeah, I also organize all of the speakers for this camp up near Sable Beach. And I'm like, Wayne, slow down, slow down. You're doing more than most people in their 20s and their 30s are doing. Like, like catch me up to speed with everything going on in your life. And uh, I had to ask him the question. I said, Wayne, like, why, why are you still doing this? And what do you do when people that are in the same age demographic as you aren't serving as much? Like, does that turn into bitterness in your heart? And, you know, the f- interesting thing about Wayne is he didn't have time to answer that question in the way I wanted him to. Um, he just had time to talk about the gloriousness and, and the, the glory of God and just how much he was excited to share the, share the good news of Jesus. And, and he said to me, he said, when you stop learning is when you stop serving. And he said, I just keep learning more about God and more about Jesus, and it makes me so excited to bring this to. And I thought, in my life, at the end of my life, I want to be like Wayne. Yeah? Hey, some of you here are like Wayne. Wayne is like Wayne. (laughs) Wayne Fox, he's a legend. You should talk to him about some of the things that they've done, even in their lives. Guys, I want to get to the end of my life and be like Wayne. And as I'm thinking about this message and as as I've been preparing for this message, the reality is, is that this excitement that a lot of us had when we first came to Jesus has been waning ever since that moment. And that's a sad reality. What what was once clear in our minds for some of us has become blurry. And my desire, even in my own life, as I walk through the blurriness of following Jesus at times, is that God would make himself clear to me, that, that I would find clarity when it comes to why I serve Jesus, so that this doesn't just turn into, as Pastor Ben was saying last week, a bunch of religious acts every week, but these would be acts of devotion and love and, and pouring out my, my, my desire to be found in the family of God. I want what I found in Jesus as a young boy to be something that I still live into today. You know, the story, the, the meta-narrative of Scripture is not, some, not just something that has played itself over, over the course of the last, uh, you know, few millennia, but it's something that plays itself out in, in, in the course of every believer's life. You know, this idea of creation and being excited about something, the fall, the sin that so easily seeps into us and, and begins to distract us and tempt us and and get our desires off course, and, and then needing to be brought back in by Jesus, and, and welcomed by his love, and being restored time and time again, but, but falling again. This is, this is not just a story of a life, but it's a story of moments in our life, seasons in our life, where we need to come back to the reality that, yes, Jesus, once we accept him, that it is done. We, we, are, we are right with the Father that, that it is because of what Jesus has done that we are saved. And we need the redemptive work of Jesus in our lives every single day because guess what? We are already saved by Jesus, but it is not yet done in its fullness where we can walk in believing that we are exempt from temptation and the things that so can, easy, can so easily get us off course. When I talked to Wayne last night, I was so excited about getting, getting going and, and ramping back up in my own relationship with God. What I mean by that is, like, his, the effect that he had on me, even coming into today's message, was, God, I can't wait to get to the end of my life and inspire other young people like this because of what you're doing in my life. Church, I believe that this is an important message, not just for us as individuals, but I think it's an important message for us as a church. Listen, the life cycle of organizations isn't that long. Slate Church is wonderful, and we're still ramping up. That's awesome. But there's going to come a day where those of us that are so involved now in worship, in staff positions, in lead pastoring, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to pass the baton to the next generation. And that's going to be a hard thing to do because we're going to go, well, we like it this way. And we, we spent decades getting it here. And, and man, the sacrifices that were made to build, buy this building. But the motivation in our hearts every moment of every day of every week of every year of our lives as Christians can't be to just build religious monuments. But it's got to be about the love of Jesus deep within our souls. So when moments come to go, they're doing it better, we got to allow them space to be able to do that. The message of Jesus Christ is as relevant today as it's ever been, but is it as relevant to our lives as it was when we first received it? See, in my life, I remember five years old, bawling my eyes out, trying to like, 
I had my pillows, like covering my mouth as I just cried and cried and cried. And the reason I was covering my mouth was because I shared a room with my brother and he always, already thought I was kind of strange. And so I was just like, cry quietly, qu- cry quietly. I don't even think I'm any more weird than what I am. And I'm just bawling my eyes at saying these words over and over again. Jesus, have my heart. Jesus, have my heart. Jesus, have my heart. And I believe in that moment, salvation flooded my, flooded my life. So it's exciting this past week when our own kids started asking Emma at bedtime about Jesus and what does it mean to follow, how do you follow Jesus? And we love Jesus. And Emma said, well, have you ever invited him into your heart? And there Kenzie and Theo on their own volition go, we want to invite Jesus into our hearts. And they pray a little prayer that says, hey, Jesus, we want you to be Lord of our lives. How amazing is that? Yeah, I think that's worth celebrating. But just like me, they're going to go through their ups and downs throughout their lives because life isn't easy. At 15, I needed that reminder again. Where are you at in your own realization of the reality of Jesus' love in your own life? Are you looking at salvation and looking through the lens of salvation out at our world through blurry lenses, or do you have clarity? Because for those of us that are looking at the, at the world and salvation through blurry lenses, it's time to get clarity. This is life and death. I don't be, believe it's life and death for your soul. It is really hard to turn away from God. But it is life and death of how you experience this side of eternity. The reality is, is that sin is all around us. The enemy is crouching at the door. I was thinking about my kids, and I was thinking about... Um, each one of them, I've, I have like a little song for them. And uh, when I sing that song, no matter where they hear it in the house, they just go running and screaming. And the reason for it is because when I'm done singing their song, I come up and I just like tickle them like, like nothing. Like they are like on the floor flailing and like, ah! They love it, but they hate it, you know? And so I can start singing it. And Theo Theo's go, starts with, Theo, Theo, burrito. And all of a sudden you hear Theo somewhere in the house. He's like, ah! And I'm like, there he is. Tito, Tito, burrito, ta, ta, tastito. Calls his mama, 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 masito. Ask him if he's joking, but no, he's for real though. And I just go at him and he's just screaming all over the house. And no matter, like I could, I can take a break from singing these songs. Kensington, Richardson, which is really just a Spider-Man theme song with her name in there. Kensington, Richardson. And she will, I could, I could spend months not singing this song. All of a sudden it comes back and they're screaming, running around the house. And I'm going, man, like in my own soul, when I hear the name of Jesus, is it sparking life in me? Or am I dead to the reality of what Jesus has done for me? Am I walking in the reality of what Jesus has done for me? Or I'm just hoping for something in the future that's going to save me from some darkness that I don't quite understand. And I don't know if everybody he's going to experience, but I believe that because the Bible said, and I just, I'm so confused. I just hope it's going to get me into heaven, or is it something that we are actively living through and in on this side of eternity? It's got to be something more. It's got to be something more, but for a lot of us, myself included, we are trying to squeeze eternity all of the things that we want to experience, all the happiness we want to experience. We're trying to cram all of this, all of this into temporal moments. I've referenced this before, but there's a podcast called The Happiness Lab, and it's by a, um, a Yale professor. It was the most popular course at Yale for a long time, and so she just turned the course into a podcast. It's a great, it's a great listen. Some of it is like a little bit hokey pokey, but a lot of it's good. I just say that just so that you can't hold me accountable if you're reading. You're like, mm, I don't know about some of this. I don't know about some of it either, but it's a good podcast. It's interesting. And in The Happiness Lab, uh, one of the things that uh, Dr. Lori Santos talks about, is she talks about this idea that our brain is constantly trying to keep us from harm. And so in the moment, have you ever been in this place where you're experiencing something, you're just, you have so much joy in the moment, but all of a sudden, like, a tragic thought just enters your mind, just steals your joy. You're, like, so excited. It's, like, your kid's birthday, and you're, like, man, it's just, like, the world couldn't get any better than this. You've got grandparents around, family, friends. Things are going good. You've got the best gift for them, and you're ready to present it. And all of a sudden, something comes in your mind. You're like, yeah, unless the house burnt down. And you're like, what? Like, yeah, unless the house burnt down. What if that candle touched that? And it, all of a sudden, your brain's like, no, 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 no. Well, our brains are constantly trying to do this. And her explanation is it's an evolutionary thing that's happened in our brains that keep us from harm. Okay, whatever it is. 
the reality is, is that the reason why in high moments, for me, as a child that was on vacations, I always just thought, what if we got in a car crash on the way there? And, and my brain kept bringing me down from the heights that it was at. And the reason that this happens is because there are traumatic things that have entered into our minds throughout our lives. We are aware of news stories. We're aware of situations. We're aware of things that have happened in our own lives. And these things come back in moments of happiness, and they seek to bring us back down to a baseline level. I was just thinking about this the other day, but like, what, what if the fall never happened? Like, if the fall never happened, those tragic events that we worry about, houses burning down, people dying in car crashes, people getting cancer around us, a loved one leaving us too early, all of those things, wouldn't even pop into our minds. Can you imagine going through all of the best moments of your life without any negative thing happening prior to it to inform how that thing could be ruined? I'd say that's like heaven. In fact, I think it's probably what the garden was like. There was not yet sin in the garden, and Adam and Eve are just like, this is amazing. And where we might go, yeah, until the tax return comes in, and you got to pay all that money back, and you really think this is great. Now you might lose it all. They're not thinking any of that. They're just going, this is amazing. And God's like, it is. And they're like, yeah, I can't believe it. And unfortunately, they went, and they're like, what's that tree over there? And, and the rest is kind of history. See, for a lot of us, what we are trying to do in our lives and where we're so tripped up is we're trying to seek happiness and, and there's this longing in our souls that happens. And we're trying to experience heaven on earth without the remedy for what, what this side of eternity, heaven looks like in our own experience, which is the power and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Guess what? One day we get to leave all the temptations and perverted desires and tragedies and traumas that we all experience. One day that will all be gone. But we can't achieve that kind of nirvana here on this side of eternity. And also for those of you that are critical of language, I'm not promising you nirvana on the other side of eternity either. We're not Buddhists. Surprise. But the only way to experience a glimpse of what heaven looks like on the other side of eternity is to receive not only what Jesus did for us on the cross, that's what we get to, by receiving what Jesus did for us, we get to experience heaven in, in eternity. But by receiving the spirit of God in our lives, the reality of, of what Jesus did day by day, that's what gives us a glimpse of what heaven might, be, might actually look like. And so for those of us that have done the good work of accepting Jesus and proclaiming him Lord of our lives, good on you. We get to look forward to a grand party in heaven. But what are we doing now in the waiting room? Are we inviting him in to the moments where we have fear? Are we inviting him into the, the moments where we're nervous or we're worried or trauma is actively happening or, or there's something going on in the world that we can't explain? Are we inviting him into those moments because that's what redemption looks like? You know, our God is so good. Our God is so good that he put in the plan of redemption right from the moment the fall took place. Okay, Anissa, you're just much too early. Much too early. Right on time, but much too early for me. Now this is good. The thing I love about God is that he didn't just wait for Jesus to right sin in the world. As soon as the fall happens, God is so gracious to walk into the garden. He says, where are you guys? Like this is God, all-knowing God, walks into the garden. He's like, where are you? Why? To allow them to approach him themselves. He knows exactly where they are. Like, I mean, we have technology today. We're like, how does God know all of that? I mean, I've got, like, if I added you all as, like, find my friends on my iPhone, I could tell you where all you are as well. God's already got this. He's like, he knows exactly where they are in the garden. He goes, where are you? It's like playing hide and seek with your kids. He's disappointed, but he's letting them approach him. The redemptive nature of God. They come out with these, like, twigs and, and like, plants and stuff. I don't know what it looked like. Like they come out and they're like, "Ah, we're naked." He's like, "How do you know that?" 
He knows the answer. What is he doing? He's involving them in his redemptive nature. Rather than allowing them to leave the garden with this like terrible clothing, the original clothing designer, God himself, clothes them with animal skin. He's like, that's not going to work for what you guys are going to face. The redemptive nature of God. And we see this play out all the way until Jesus Christ where he goes, you guys can't do this. It's why I have to be involved in your story because unless I involve myself, there is no way that you can experience the peace and the joy and the hope and the tranquility and the transcendence that you often long for in your own strength. I have to come, otherwise you're not gonna get it. And this is where Jesus ushers in. And sometimes, unfortunately, the longer we become, we, we are Christians, the more we get like up in our heads about it and the less we understand the heart of all of this. We get into like what atonement theory is really the real theory. And there are, there are many. You got like the, the moral theory of atonement. You've got penal substitution. You've got the ransom theory. Some of you are like, what? Like you're introducing something new. At the end of the day, what Jesus came to do is to pay a price that none of us could pay in our own strength so that we might be in relationship with God, not just when we die, but while we walk on this earth that is hard and scary and traumatic and does things to us and and causes us to to argue and, and feud with the people we love most. And Jesus comes in and he goes, hey, I've got an answer for all of that. I will pay the price that you cannot pay. Ben, you can come up. I want to read, um, just to finish, then we're just going to worship. Simon Ponsby, um, pastored this church near, um, near Oxford um, University. Uh, it's an Angl- it was an Anglican church, is an Anglican church, and um, you know, was able to hang around the likes of, uh, I don't know if, anyway, massive guy in the Church of England. And he was struggling with his own blurriness when it came to his own salvation. He was feeling weary. Following Jesus was a joy in his life, but after pastoring for over three decades, he just found himself broken and like, man, do I have a relationship with God? Like, am I actively walking in one? And he sat down one day and God just pulled the blinders off of his eyes and he just began to write. And this encouraged my heart while I was preparing for this message. And I, so I thought, you know what? Let's take three, four minutes and let's just ponder the glory and the goodness of Jesus Christ for a moment. Because yes, the fall was real but we live on the other side of redemption. And so you can close your eyes. When, we, when I finish reading, we're just gonna stand up, we're gonna worship God. You close your eyes, you can look at me, you can pick your nose, you do whatever you want. Simon Ponsby writes this, consider these things. He reigned divine in unapproachable light and incomparable glory. He created all things and kept them going by his powerful word. He was endlessly worshiped and adored by a myriad upon myriad of angels. He overflowed in restless love and created humans in his image to love. He created a paradise and gave himself to us in a garden of delights. He gave us free will so that we might love him back in freedom. He did not turn away when we turned away, but kept advancing towards us, open-armed. He covered our nakedness and shame. He never gave up on us, never rejected us, never stopped loving us. He chased us through the corridors and the contours of history. He revealed himself in creation and conscience, in words and wonders. He chose his servant Israel to reveal his glory to the world. He graced us with sacrifice and temple and law so we could stand before him. He planned and prophesied and prepared his particular coming to us. He is amazing. He wed himself to human flesh and virgin womb. He took upon himself our very nature so he might give us his nature to us. He dwelt among us, one of us, and drank the earthly cup to its lees. At age 30, he left obscurity and began his public ministry. And he spoke as no man has ever spoke before. And people who heard him were amazed and some afraid and some angry. And he called people to leave all and follow him. And he said he was bringing the kingdom of God. And he showed us he was the king of the kingdom. And he showed us that it was a kind kingdom. 
And he showed us that it, his was a powerful kingdom where, lives, where lives were transformed. And he gave us the keys of the kingdom. And he forgave the sins of the adulterous woman and the cripple who got up and walked. And he tenderly touched the leper and healed their sin and removed their shame. And he bent double with compassion at the suffering he saw in others. And he raised the dead boy and gave him back to his mother. And he raised the dead girl and gave him back to his father. And he raised his dead friend and gave him back to his sisters. And he opened the eyes of the blind and he opened the ears of the deaf. And he opened the prisons of the tormented. And he opened the minds of the questioning. And he opened the way for us to God. Now that is amazing. And he fed 5,000 hungry pilgrims with five small loaves and two fish. And he commanded the winds and the waves to obey him, and they did. And he ordered the shadows to depart, and they did. And he taught us to pray to God as Father. And he called his disciples friends. And he had a special heart for society's outcasts. And he was transfigured and revealed in all his glory. And he wept at the tomb of his friend. And he was homeless and nowhere had nowhere to lay his head. And he made friends with tax collectors and sinners and betrayers. And he loved the rich young ruler who loved his money more than God. And he turned over the tables in the temple to stop the money changers ripping off the poor. And he prayed for us to know God's love and protection and to see his glory. And he gave us bread and wine to join with him and with one another. Oh, he is amazing. Just a little bit more, is that okay? And he intimidated the authorities and he provoked his enemies. And wicked men and evil spirits conspired to kill him. And he faced down the fear and embraced his destiny for us. And he welcomed the betrayer with a kiss and still called him friend. And he did it all willingly of his own volition because he loved us. And scheming men sat in judgment on him. And they condemned him and handed him over. And they spat on him and beat him and mocked him and nailed him and killed him. And he took it all as a willing ransom for our sins. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. And God laid on him the iniquity of it all, us all. And he entered God forsakenness for our sake. And he, his stripes, we are healed. And he drenched the earth with his blood, not anyone else's. And he washed us whiter than snow. And his ex executor said, truly, this was a man, the son of God. And they laid him in a stone cold tomb. And he descended to the depths and he preached freedom to the prisoners, and he set the captives free, and he shattered the bonds of death, and he had the last word, as he pushed away the stone, and he canceled the debt of sin, and he satisfied the justice of God, and he redeemed us from death and hell, and he disarmed the demonic, and he brought us home from exile. Isn't he just amazing? And ascended into heaven to sit beside the Father in our stead. And there he prays for us all day and all night. And he sent us his Spirit's power to be with us forever. And he asked for nothing from us but faith and love. And he placed us in a family. And he sent us out to tell others of his love. And he is praying for us right now. And he is coming back to be with us. And he will be judged of the living and the dead. And he will wipe away all our tears and drive away our fears and heal our wounded years. And he will finally, fully vanquish all evil. And he will make all things right. Meanwhile, he's still healing, still cleansing, still delivering, still inviting. And today, two billion follow him. And many millions suffer for faith. And one day, the whole earth will be covered in his glory. And he is called Jesus, which means God saves us. And he does. And he is Emmanuel, which means God is here for us. And he is the Lord. He is God over us. Yes, he is amazing. Come on, can we just stand up and worship God? Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.